You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. How are we doing? It's good to see you. Thank you for being here. Thanks for joining in with us. Hey, I want to give a special thanks to all those who helped this weekend with our food pantry. And I, I was challenging you to kind of up the game, and you did. It was almost 24,000 pounds of food, y'all, that you guys gave and handed out. And it was just a beautiful thing. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you for loving our community and serving in our community. And uh, I, I just, I love being a part of that. We're starting a new series this weekend called Greater Than. And uh, this is the one that God's challenged me with. Uh, God has really been doing a lot kind of in me personally through this year that I feel like he's saying, I got to take you there, Matt, and then I want you to lead the church through this. And uh, this series, Greater Than, really kind of tears down these things that we put up as ultimate, that we set up against the power of God, and, and, and really what those things become are idols. Anything that we put in, in, in place of God uh, is an idol. And uh, that's the first commandment that God gave in the Old Testament. Exodus said, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And, and it's amazing how, how easy, you know, we, we think, well, that's, that's just, I just don't do that. I wouldn't do that. It's amazing how easy things kind of slide into those things that we make as ultimate. And I want us to call us, this series is going to work us through a process of calling us back to this truth that God is greater than any of it. And and I don't know if you're like me, but on Facebook or just any social media platform, I just, I see a lot of fear. I see a lot of resentment. I see a lot of anger. I see a lot of rage all about politics. And, and maybe, 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 let me just stop. This, is, this message is for me, okay? Hey, this, I'm preaching to Matt today, and so maybe, maybe you just need to, why don't we all say that? This message is for me, okay? It's not about who else is on your Facebook feed or, or anybody else in your family or your friend circle or, you know, the, I don't think we have the water cooler talk anymore in the office. Which that kind of keeps things from getting super toxic. But just say that today. Just say, this message is for me. Good. Okay. Um, and let's go with that. And, 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 and we just need God's grace to cover this this time. And I just want to set that up so you don't shoot the messenger this morning, okay? But maybe, maybe politics has become an idol for you. Or if it's not an idol for you, maybe you're just kind of wrapped up in fear and anxiety and, and maybe anger around everything that's going on. And, and, and I just want us to get into the Word of God this, today and, and really, uh, really look at this. And so can, can I pray for us? Because this is going to be a... We're, we're kicking off the series with the easiest one, right? Um, and so here we go. So Father, <laughs> help us. Help us today. Help us approach this with your heart. And would you let us in this time and in, in your presence hear with grace, your grace that covers our hearts and minds as we approach your word. We love you and we thank you that you are greater than, than, than anything and everything. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. So let's go to Romans chapter 13. I got a long way to go and a short time to get there, y'all. And uh, it's going to be a tough one. So let me just kick it off. Let me just, let, let me just 
take the bat and hit the hornet's nest first. Let's get that out of the way, and then let's kind of back into the, 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 where God wants us to go. Romans chapter 13. So this is man, written by a man named Paul, and Paul was radically changed by Jesus, the message of the gospel, the good news of what Jesus did on the cross and his resurrection. Paul's life is radically transformed. Paul helps plant these churches and support these churches. He goes on missionary journeys, and a lot of the New Testament is Paul writing letters back to be passed around to the churches in the area so they can be encouraged so that they can have instruction and they can, they can kind of come back to that, that goodness, the grace and the faithfulness of God. In Romans 13, Paul writes this, this, this subheading of submission to the authorities. And, and he's writing, listen to this, he's writing this to Christians. He is writing this to the church, okay? And that's the message that's got to go out today to the church because here's what needs to happen. It is those who are saved, Christians, who have professed Jesus as Christ, Jesus as Lord and Savior, we're a new creation, okay? Saved people need to be acting like saved people, okay? Lost people are going to act like lost people. Stop judging lost people for acting like lost people. You know, let's, let's start looking at ourselves and saying, okay, I'm redeemed, I'm saved, so I, I need to be acting like that, okay? And that just kind of sets that foundation for us to get into this. But Paul's writing this to Christians, to the church. He says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. This is setting up where where there's three institutions in Scripture that God established. The first one is the family. Family is where the education needs to happen, you know, because in the Old Testament, you see a lot of raise up your children, train up your child in the way they should go, teach your children my commands, that, that the family really becomes the core of the educational unit of, of society. And then he instituted the government. The government was to set authority so that laws could be enacted and laws could be enforced. And then in the New Testament, Acts chapter 2, actually, is, is he instituted the church. Those are the three institutions. And, and Paul is writing to the church about how we respond and engage and interact with government. And the first thing he's saying is, look, the, the first level is, is for wrath's sake, Right? He's like, so if, if we're going to be disobedient to the authorities that God has placed, we're actually disobedient to God, and now we've invited wrath. We're inviting discipline on our life. And so he's saying that there, there is this authority that God has established, and we need to have an obedience and respect of that authority because disrespect and disobedience invites the punishment. So that's, that's kind of the basic level. And and and. Even when, even when we can't respect the person, we've got to respect the office because God established that authority. Listen, God, God created the authority and the, and the structure, but God's, and God's responsible for that, but God's not responsible for the tyrant's sin. God, God says, I, I created this structure, and, and even when we can't respect a leader... We need to respect the position. I have worked for bosses in the past that I, I couldn't respect the person. 
I mean, they, they, the, just the way they, they treated people, the way, the way they, they operated, just the, the level of, or, of ethics. I just, I couldn't respect the person, but I respected the position because even that person that I didn't respect, their position had authority over me and they could say these two words that would forever change my life. You're fired. But I've also worked for people in my past that, that respect just came easily. Because they, they, they earned it. They lived a life that you wanted to respect. And, 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 and God will use, listen to me, God will use both good leaders and bad leaders for this purpose. It's called sanctification. It's our maturity in Christ, that God is showing us how to look more like him. He's shaping us. So when you have, when you have a leader who is easy to follow or you have a leader who is a tyrant, either way, God is, it has that authority over us to shape us and shape our character. And what, what Paul's saying is this basic level is we respect the position. And then he moves on. Verse 5 says, therefore... One must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed. He's taking it a step higher here. He's saying, look, we don't just obey and have respect out of discipline, out of fear of discipline. There's this conscience. And, and conscience isn't Jiminy Cricket sitting on our shoulder. Conscience is the Holy Spirit at work in us. Remember, Paul's writing this to the church. The church, when, when we make that profession of faith that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, there's something that happens. The Holy Spirit moves in instantly and takes up residence inside. And the Holy Spirit is given to be my comfort, to be my guide, to, to lead me into truth, to convict me in when, when I'm walking in sin. And, and the, this Holy Spirit is saying, look, there's a higher law at work within me. The, the law of the land, yeah, I, I have respect and I'll, I will obey based on avoiding punishment and wrath, but the higher law written in me is by the Holy Spirit. Jesus did this so beautifully in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He would refer back to a law. You have heard it said, and then he would say, but I tell you, that's grace at work in the life of a believer. So here's the, here's the law, but grace takes you to a higher level. Grace never brings the law down. Grace keeps the law where the law is, but grace helps us over that bar. And what he's saying is that there's, there's, there's Holy Spirit work inside of you, the conscience side of you that needs to be at work here so that we can, we can pay honor and we can live in God's blessing. Now, he says something in verse 7 that, that just sticks with me. He says, pay to all what is owed taxes to whom taxes are owed. Um, I get the respect and honor, but man, taxes, come on, y'all. I, I, I don't think I'm alone. I don't like taxes. I mean, <laughs> can I get an amen? <laughs> so, I, I could spend that money on a lot of other things. I mean, Heather and I don't circle April 15th and go, I just can't wait. You know, let's put up a tax tree, you know, you know. Can we decorate the house for tax season? I, I, I just don't get excited about taxes. And, and it's a sacrifice. But here's what happens. When I'm obedient with that, 
It's not just avoiding punishment, you know, the IRS coming after me. But when I'm obedient with that, it's the Holy Spirit saying, you walk in obedience. And when I walk in obedience, you know what? Here's the deal. When I'm obedient with my taxes, the community that I live in receives a blessing. Now, there, there are places my tax dollars go that I don't always agree with. But at the end of the day, here's the deal. When I'm obedient with that, the community I live in gets a blessing. And, and I'm just going to go there, y'all. The masks are the same thing for me. The, the masks are inconvenient for me. They're a sacrifice for me. I don't like it. But here's what God has brought me to the, 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 the reconciliation with, is that when I'm obedient with a, with a mask, the community that I live in, the people that I love, the people that I want to see come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, they receive a benefit. The mask isn't about me. It's about my opportunity to have a voice. Listen, there are bartenders that have been out of work for months. And the, and the, 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 the rail that they have against the church is also COVID is in the bar, but not in the church. No, it, it, let's not get into that. But I want to have a voice with him to say, man, but Jesus is still good. He's still greater than that. And I'm, I'm, I'm doing things. I'm wearing masks. And we do this distance thing because I want to have a voice with the people in my community. That's my heart behind the mask. I mean, when I was praying through this, it's not like I'll go, well, what do we want to do? I sought the Lord on this, and this is where he brought me. And he took me to the passage where Jesus is being challenged about taxes. Is it right to pay taxes? And Jesus said, show me a coin. Whose image is on it? Caesar's. Give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Give to God what's God's. My, the mask is my sacrifice right now. And there will be a day that it's over, but you don't have to, you don't have to, you know, keep asking me if I'm bound to the government or anything. No. I bowed to the Lord Almighty to say, what do you want me to do to lead this church? And, and I just, I don't know. I just had to say that. I better keep going before I get myself in trouble. But, but listen, listen to me. This conscience sake, if there is a a moment where the government interferes with conscience and the leading of the Holy Spirit, Acts 5.29 applies here. We must obey God rather than man. And in Acts 5.29, they're, they're, they're being told not to preach the gospel. I mean, you, you see the disobedience throughout Scripture, and, and there's a theme that I want to show you. So like in the book of Daniel, you've got these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Or if you've got kids that grew up watching VeggieTales, Rackshack and Benny, Right? And Rackshack and Benny wouldn't bow to the chocolate bunny. The bunny, the bunny. <laughs> Y'all remember that? Come on now. But so there's King Nebuchadnezzar. He builds this golden idol of himself. And he's telling all the nation, bow down before my idol. Bow down before me. And, and, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, absolutely not. We are not doing that. We are not putting any other God before our one true God. We're not bowing down. No matter what you got against us, Neb, we ain't going there. And so he says, stoke up the fire. So they stoke up the fiery furnace so hot that even King Neb's guards, when they were trying to get him to the furnace, several of them died. They throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire. And what's amazing is, is when they look, there's four people walking around because the presence of God was there with them in the fire. They walked out. They didn't even smell like smoke, y'all. I mean, I go to a barbecue restaurant. I walk out there smelling like smoke. I mean, they were walking in and through the fire and didn't smell like smoke. Changed the life of King Nebuchadnezzar. That same book, you got Daniel. Daniel's being given a decree that you can no longer pray to the Lord your God. He says, uh-uh, uh-uh. That, that. So what you're doing is there's a decree that is going against conscience, against me connecting with God and doing the will of God. I'm going to keep praying. They throw him in a den of lions. He survives to the morning because God's sustaining power shut the mouth of the lions. 
even in the New Testament, what you got is Peter and John going around preaching the gospel. See, in the book of Acts, when God instituted the church, the way that happened is Jesus was, was crucified on a cross for our sins. He was laid in a borrowed tomb. On the third day, he was resurrected. He spent 40 days with his disciples. He was then ascended into the heaven. And then what happens is he ascended. The Holy Spirit descended. Jesus said, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit filled the people of the church. Those were the believers. And what happened, that message, that gospel, the good news that Jesus died for us, that loves us, he was resurrected, and that we can have eternal life in his name and forgiveness and grace, that message started going viral and people started listening to that and the religious authorities were threatened by Jesus and the message of Jesus and they started shutting down the apostles and the, and the disciples and going, you stop preaching in this name. We told you to stop preaching this name. And, and Peter gets arrested and, and, and he's standing before the council and he said, we told you to stop preaching in the name of Jesus. And he said, I've got to obey God rather than men. That's the whole context of that. See, what happens is we want to create disobedience because we want our way. If you look at the common theme, when people stood up against authority, it was in the name of God, and it was for Jesus' sake, it was for God's sake, it wasn't for the person, because none of this, get this, none of this is about us. When we try to make it about me, we're robbing God of his glory. Everything about the kingdom of God is his glory. So when we, when we obey authority, it's for the glory of God. When we have to stand up in the face of authority and say, I must obey God rather than you, it is always for the glory of God, not so I can be selfish and prideful and get my own way. And what happens is when we start trying to walk in that path, then we get into something. Now, we got to go to Psalm 2, and I got to really help us with this. Psalm 2. This is a psalm of David. It's a messianic psalm. A messianic psalm means this. He's talking about Jesus who is to come. And in Psalm 2, it says this, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, and anointed is capital A, that's referring to Jesus, the Messiah, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. Now, we look at this and go, the king, the nations are raging. The kings and the rulers are rebelling against God. Well, this is something that we've got to know. God showed me this this week. When we look at the rulers, there's a problem. See, we live in a democracy, so who are the rulers? The voters, the people. Why do, <laughs> this is going to be tough, I told you it's going to be hard. Why do the people rage and the people's plot in vain? The people of earth set themselves and the people take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. Why do we rage? Why do we make it about us? Because Jesus is king and we want to be king. Because many of us struggle with control and we want that control in our court. I mean, we build structures around us. We do everything we can to create that control. And we're saying, we don't want your rule and reign over us. And, and, and here's how God responds to that. <laughs> Verse four, he who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. 
Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. The way God views challenges to his authority is like, <laughs> that's cute. I mean, bring what you got, but, but I mean, I, I am, I am. He didn't even have to finish the statement. Who are you, God? I am. You are what? I am. You are. And he says, I, I've set my king. I've set the authority. I've set the structure. I've, I've taken care of it. And you want to challenge it? That's cute. That's funny. Goes on, I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son, capital son. He's speaking to the Messiah. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. That's what's coming, y'all. That if we're gonna set ourselves and rage against the power and authority of Jesus himself, it, then, then we're gonna get ruled. If we want to rule ourselves and we wanna rage to create a system where we can rule ourselves. He said, okay, that's going to be fine and that's all cute, but there's going to be a day that you're going to have to answer for all this. There's destruction there. It's futile to go against that. And then he says, now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, that means submit to Jesus, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take Refuge in him. Refuge in Christ. Blessed are all who find their hope in Christ. What he's saying is, is here's, here's, here's the ways to engage. I mean, should Christians engage in government? Should Christians engage in politics? Absolutely. And there's, there's two ways that God is showing us to engage. The first is our refuge is in Christ. Our hope isn't in a candidate. Our hope isn't in an election. Our hope isn't in a democracy. Our hope, our hope, our hope is in Jesus Christ, who is forever seated on the throne, that God set his anointed one on the holy hill. That's where the hope is. That's the refuge. So no matter how crazy all this gets on this ball of mud that God spoke into existence, we can come back to this. My hope and my security and my refuge is found in Christ and Christ alone. Anything else is futile. Y'all can clap for Jesus. Don't be clapping for me because y'all gonna get me preaching. But we take refuge in Christ. If we try to take refuge from him, we're trying to set up our own kingdom. The second way is to represent him well. This needs to be the filter before we get that keyboard courage and we go onto the, onto the social media platforms and speak our mind. Maybe, maybe, let me, let, I'm gonna share a secret. When I get, we all get those emails, we all get those texts, we all get that, you know, and I type out my response, right? Now, I take out the sender because I have accidentally sent it. And there's a whole lot of apologizing and all that just creates a whole mess. I take out the sender, but here's what Matt wants to say. And then I reread it and go, does that represent Jesus well? No, delete. But you and I, as remember, this is the church. We're called to represent Jesus well. That's the filter. 
Let me give you a couple quick ways to not engage, ways to not engage. The first one is do nothing. You know, to sit back and go, well, all this is just, I don't know, I just, you know, I'm not doing anything. And, and, and you, you, have a, you have a voice, use it. You have a right in this nation. Men and women sacrifice their lives in battle, and they protect and secure it and defend our freedom today. And that freedom is the right to vote. Use that right. Use your voice. Listen, if you, if you don't vote, in, here's the way you work in my world. If you don't vote, if you don't use your voice, you have no right to complain to me about this. Do nothing. That's a way to not engage. Another one is just go along with the world. Listen, the world, the world is a system that is never going to move us closer into a relationship with God. If, you, if you've been around the creek for any amount of time and you've heard me preach, you know this is what I say, that, that the world will never just automatically ebb and flow us into a righteous relationship with God. It is something we have to be intentional with. It's just like if you're married, intimacy just doesn't happen. You got to work at it. You got to remember birth dates, y'all. You got you to gotta, you gotta listen. I mean, you work at the intimacy of a relationship. It's the same thing with holiness and righteousness. It's work. And we don't just have happen into it. And the world is constantly trying to pull us away from, from pressing into God and following holiness. And, 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 and if we just go along with the world, we're just going to find ourselves in a place that is, is far removed from God. And, and what do I mean by, by go along with the world? Look, just don't just be informed by your social media platforms. That's the worst place to get your news. Listen, you remember the days when, like when I grew up, we had to write papers and we had to have so many sources and the bibliography page, y'all remember that? And we'd have to go to the library and use the Dewey Decimal System. I didn't know Dewey, but I know, I was like, that boy made a lot of money off that decimal system because he's in every library in the country, probably the world, he's worldwide, right? But you had to do the work to research. Listen, y'all. Just because it pops up on your newsfeed, just because it, it pops up here, doesn't mean it's been researched and thought out. You and I have to do the work. What's the real story? What's really going on here? Get informed, get in the know, and go beyond. Please go beyond other people's opinions. And the third thing that we do not to, or don't need to do to engage is outsize the importance. It, <laughs> The reason that, 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 that I think that we, we might have an issue with this is because I see things like, this is the biggest election the world has ever seen. Vote like your life depends on it. Listen, we, we've, we've outsized the importance if that's the case. It's important, yes. I'm not saying it's not important, but it is not the most important thing. The most important thing is Jesus Christ, his kingdom and his glory and us pursuing him and following him because he is the one who's been given all authority, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. Now, these, these, these apostles, Peter and John, let me show you how they engaged because, see, when they preached the gospel, they kept getting arrested because they were defying authority because don't preach in the name of Jesus. I can't not preach in the name of Jesus. I mean, it's like a fire in my bones. It's just going to happen. And they had gotten arrested, and then they were released. And verse, uh, chapter 4 of Acts, verse 23 says, When they were released, they went, to hear, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. 
And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant said by the Holy Spirit, he goes back, this is Psalm 2. Why did the Gentiles rage? Or why did the nations rage? And peoples plot in vain. The kings of earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. He's saying we were in an environment where they were setting themselves up against Jesus and the knowledge of Christ. And they were coming at this. But oh, sovereign Lord, that there were sovereign Lord, listen to this. Sovereignty means God is on the throne. That in this great big vehicle called life, somebody's got their hands on the wheel. His name is Jesus, and he knows exactly where we're going. There's comfort in that. For truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever the hand of your plan had predestined. There's a hand on the wheel. I'm, Jesus is like, I know where we're going. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. What they're praying for is, is give us more power to speak the name of Jesus. Give us, enable us to make the gospel clear, to preach Jesus, him crucified and resurrected. Not our kingdom, not, not give us the power to tell, to tell the authorities what we want to see happen, but to speak boldly the name of Jesus and to see you move in mighty ways. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, that conscience, right? And continued to speak the word of God with boldness. That's how they engaged. That's how they found their refuge in Christ. You can put me in prison, but I'm safe in Christ. You can do all of these things, but if, at the end of the day, I've got to represent Jesus because that message has so transformed my life. That is the greatest thing that I will ever encounter, the greatest thing that I will ever face. And when we start looking at how we as the church need to engage, how do we find refuge in Christ and how do we represent Jesus well in an election cycle? Listen, the first way to find refuge in Christ is be reconciled to God. I mean, that, that's, that's our in Christ. I don't find my refuge around Christ. I don't find my refuge because someone I know has their refuge in Christ. It's kind of like, you know, people talk about, you know, the doomsday prophecies and all that stuff. Like, I got my bunker. You want to know somebody with a bunker, right? Maybe I'm just talking, I, I just watch that prepper shows and stuff like that. But I don't want to know somebody with a bunker. I want my own bunker, right? It's that way. That's the refuge in Christ. Jesus is like, don't just know somebody who has a refuge in me. Know me. Be reconciled to me. And the way we represent, listen, is the way, the way we move about this world is this way. We realize and know that God is greater than politics. God created this system of government, and the creator is over it all. God's bigger than this election God's bigger than the United States government. God's bigger than any candidate. Praise God that he's over all of these politics. And you can't, listen, stop trying to politicize Jesus. The Jews tried. They tried to look at Jesus as their political Messiah. It's like, you're now coming in to overthrow Rome, so we'll follow you, Jesus. And they left him because he didn't take down Rome. Listen, Jesus was going after a kingdom much bigger than Rome. 
because he's over it all. The gospel, the gospel is greater than any other platform. The gospel is this message of Jesus that God wrapped himself in flesh, that he was born of a virgin, his only begotten son. He lived a sinless life and he laid it down on Calvary and he was nailed to the cross, thus satisfying the wrath of God due us against our sin. He took it on himself and he was raised on the third day by the power of the Holy Spirit. 40 days after that, he was ascended to the right hand of the Father and seated on the throne. That's the gospel message. Paul would write to the Romans. He said, this gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. Listen, there is no message a candidate is going to bring us that's going to lead us to salvation. There is, no, there is no message a candidate can speak on their platform that's going to open up the power of God unto eternal life for us unless they're speaking the gospel. And I'm so tired of hearing this, this ad is paid for, and I approve this ad, and, and all of the noise, it's like, wah, 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 wah. it sounds like Charlie Brown's teacher, right? Sounds like all of us through our masks. How are you? I'm fine today. How are you? The gospel is the message that Jesus approved and he paid for in his own blood. And the gospel becomes the the lens, the filter that we need to look at any platform a candidate comes at us with. So as you do your research, filter it through the lens of the gospel. Is this taking refuge in Christ? And is this representing him well? That's what God's done. God is, God, God's relationship with us, he's like, I did my part, now do you, you do yours. And this third one is important. It's unity in Christ. Unity in the church is greater than, it's more important than what the world tries to divide us over. And listen, I told you the world is a system that, that wants to move us farther away from God. And, and, and I... <laughs> There's so many ways division is happening, and, and I, I'm at a point, maybe, maybe I'm just this, this, I've always kind of bucked the system. If you tell me don't touch it, I'm going to touch it, you know? Tell me don't do this, it's just, that's just my wiring. I mean, I, there's just, you know, Heather, was, Heather, got, Heather and I were looking at this picture of me, and I was a young boy, and she's like, you look so cute. I was like, look, but the, look at the, the mischievous notion in that eye, man. And then we looked at pictures of our youngest daughter, same look, y'all. It's weird. It's like, yeah, I raised her. I know what's going on. But I, even when I fill out surveys, people always want, we do a survey. We do a survey. You know, what's your average household income? You don't need to know that. Are you male or female? Doesn't matter to you. What race are you? Caucasian, Asian, African-American? They, none of your business. Why do you need that to get my information about your product? You have my feedback about your product. You're just trying to divide me over something so you can charge me more or, or figure yourself. Look, I don't even like doing that because what that is, those are ways that we continue to walk around and we're reminded that the world constantly tries to divide us. And in Christ, there is none of that division, y'all. He doesn't care how much money you make, what color you are, what your background is, what your past is. He's like, you're in Christ. You find refuge in Christ, you're mine. You're declared the righteousness of God because the blood of Christ has covered you. There is no division in in Christ. And this unity that he died for, look, Jesus didn't die for some superficial harmony that we can gather in a room and feel good about ourselves. 
He died for true unity, one that, one that the world sees and go, how do I get that? And then we share the greatest message the world will ever hear. It's called the gospel. Well, you get that unity. You get that peace. You get that connection. You get that, that assurance through Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. And if somebody says, don't speak that message, well, I got to obey God rather than man because people are dying and they need to hear life. That's the unity. And, and, and we need to work on things as open-handed and closed-handed. We, we use that vernacular around here. Like open-handed things, you know, like people are like, you know, when is Jesus coming back? You know, is it, is it, is it going to be seven years of tribulation before he comes back? Is it halfway through? Is it, you know, but let's put that in open hand because the Bible says no man knows a day, okay? But what I will close my hand is Jesus is coming back. You know, what, what politics? Look, we got to keep that in open hands. Too many people have been closing their hands around that. And we, we can discuss it. And if you want to discuss it with me, it's going to be this. Is your refuge in Christ and are you representing Jesus well? If not, I don't want to talk to you. I mean, you can go on your Facebook and do whatever you want. But, but if you want to have a conversation with me, I'll have a conversation. But it needs to come back to our trust in Jesus because he's over all this and us as the church representing him well. Him as Lord, Jesus as Lord, I'm going to put in the closed hand. Why? Because that's what I will fight over. That's what I will stand up against an authority and say, Jesus is Lord, and you can't tell me he's not. He's proven himself over and over and over and over and over again. And so maybe, maybe politics has become an idol for you. Or maybe you're just wrapped up in fear, anxiety, and tension, and worry about all that is going on around us. And I have great news for you. God is greater than all of it. My hope is not found in a candidate. My hope is not found in a system of government. My hope is found in the finished work of Christ on the cross. My hope is not in this election cycle, but in the true fact that Jesus is the king of kings seated on the throne. Listen, Jesus rode into Jerusalem as the king, and they put a crown of thorns on his head. Jesus needs to be addressed as a king and looks like a king, and they beat him within an inch of his life and placed a robe over his, his shredded shoulders and back. Jesus is a king who needs to be lifted up and they lifted him up on a cross with nails in his hands and his feet. They even placed a sign on the cross mocking him, said, here's your king of the Jews. But 43 days later, he was ascended. He was seated at the right hand of the Father on his throne in full authority and will be forevermore. Father, we thank you for that. We thank you that Jesus is the King of kings. We thank you that all of this, you are over. And I'm asking you for your grace today to work in our hearts to tear down this idol of politics. I'm asking for your peace to calm anxieties and fear and even rage. And we come to you, Jesus, and we take refuge in you. We ask for you to cover us, 
cover us with the blood that you poured out on the cross to forgive us and give us a security that goes beyond anything this world can offer. We take our refuge in you. And I ask you, sovereign Lord, to enable us by the power of the Holy Spirit to represent you well all the days of our life. It's for your glory and your glory alone we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast, or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at